By the time Sarah stepped into local Wasilla politics, she had already been shaped by a number of intellectual forces that are easy to underestimate, but that had profound influence upon her life. First was the biblical faith she acquired from her mother, from her church, and from the devoted Christian ministers in her life like Paul Riley and Theron Horn. In her experience, Scripture was not merely a handbook on relating to God. It was a system of truth that applied to every area of life, the foundational principles for approaching and understanding the doings of mankind. This carried with it a political philosophy all its own. Sarah would know, for example, that there are sluggards in the world and that no amount of aid will make a difference to this sort. She would know, too, that if a man won't work, he should not eat. She would also understand that moral conduct is essential to great leadership, as it is to nations, and that to assure this morality, it is necessary to have boundaries, safeguards, and restraints. All of this would have been obvious to her before her first day on the Wasilla City Council. Beyond the Bible and C.S. Lewis, Sarah had also read the great works of the American experience. She had a good memory, particularly for potent, pithy statements. And so she would carry with her all her life such founding wisdom as that government governs best which governs least, or the power to tax is the power to destroy. These principles of American origins lived in her. During much of her Alaskan political life, she would carry a copy of the state constitution. This made sense to her friends who understood that she loves words and lives by them, that the journalist in her revels in language as a guide to life. Yet after all of her young intellectual preparation, it was her simple observation of life as it was that convinced her of the principles upon which she would build her political career. She saw the good that government could do in assuring the general welfare. She loved seeing good roads or new schools change a community. Nearly her first political act was creating a police force to make her community safe. Yet she also saw what political power put at the behest of the greedy and the domineering could mean. She knew instinctively that power draws human beings of low character, the grasping and the cheats. She concluded early that a libertarian society was best, one in which government was limited so that no special interest could capture its power for ill use. Such a society would guarantee freedom for all, opportunity for all, yet without assuring equality of results. Men would rise to their best and create for generations yet to come. Government would simply assure a level playing field and the protections necessary for a valiant people to thrive. This became the Palin political brand. It was a politic that allowed the government of Wasilla to do what it did best, public works, law enforcement, protection of the free market, order and safety for all citizens. Yet what Palin fought was government as a tool of the few, as a means of profit for the sly and the scheming. This is what she opposed, and this is what brought her into conflict with men like Stein, Stambaugh, and Carney, men who thought public service meant privilege and the benefits for the elite. By the time Sarah was finishing her term as mayor of Wasilla, her brand of tempered, benevolent libertarianism had become wildly popular in her region and was already causing some supporters to urge her on to bigger things. And those things would come, but not before Palin's political philosophy was tested and refined in the furnace of Alaskan politics.